Hey folks. When Trace and I heard that Scream Resurrection was finally coming out, we knew that we had to cover it on the show. Originally, this was going to be exclusively for patrons, but we decided to open it up to everyone. If you like what you hear, please support the show on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash horrorqueers. In this special episode, we do spoil the entire six episodes, but it is so bad that we would recommend no one watch it. Just listen to us instead. And now, as Ghostface says, it's showtime. God, I loved it. I'll send you a copy. Bam! Bitch went down. Welcome back to Horror Queers. We're doing a special on-air episode. We're talking about Kiki Palmer. We're talking about Ghostface. We're talking possibly the worst slasher television show of all time. I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And this <laughs> this was hot garbage. And oh yeah, we're talking about Scream Resurrection. <laughs> yes. Also known as Scream 3 from the aborted MTV days. So, I think that they are really distancing them, because it's a reboot, but not only, like, is it a reboot, but they switch networks. So, I think that they're really just trying to keep... Okay, so, you're gonna love this. I'm not good at coming up with review titles. Okay. So, <laughs> my review of the first two episodes of uh, this show was, Scream Resurrection Should Have Stayed Dead. That did not, though. Good job. Has <laughs> he used something like that? I imagine that when the reviews come out, many of them will suggest something similar. That's right. <laughs> so yes, folks, we are recording this. We're technically recording this in advance because Trace and I both managed to get screeners, but we were embargoed on discussing any spoilers until after things had aired. So that's why this is dropping a hot second after the finale and the big reveal of the killer. Okay, so I want to point this out. The trailer was released, what, two weeks before the episodes actually dropped. Yes. And this this reboot was announced, I looked it up, in April of 2017. So yes. it is over two years since that announcement. And we also haven't had an episode of Scream in almost three years. The last one was the second season's Halloween special, which ended in a cliffhanger in October of 2016. Okay, so just to make sure that everybody's aware, so do you know the complicated history of why this has been delayed? No, I, I don't, actually. Do you? Oh God, do you not even read the site that we write for? No, okay, so honestly, <laughs> no, 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 no. So when, when it was like announced, I was like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, it's probably for the best. Because, you know, I like parts of those first two seasons, but I'm fully aware that they're nowhere near the level of the films. Even fucking Scream 3. No, 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 no. And I was always a sucker for Carlson Young's Brooke. I thought she was a very delightful character, and I wanted more of her. But... Honestly, whenever news of this new one came out, I was like, all right, like, whatever. And I just didn't read any articles about it after it was announced. <laughs> okay, so here's the skinny, and I'll make it very quick, because if people want a more detailed explanation, you can go and track it down relatively easily. So from what I gathered, MTV understood that the series was not working. It doesn't actually end in a cliffhanger because there's a wrap-up film that you can watch. That one's um... actually better than the first two seasons. I mean, I don't recommend it, but if you watch the first two seasons, go and watch that because it does give you a little bit of closure. Wait, how long is this wrap-up film? It's like a stand, not a standalone movie, but it's uh, basically like a supersized episode. It's like 90 minutes. Really? Wait, mm -hmm. and you're not talking about the Halloween episode when they go to like the island and stay at the mansion and stuff? Yeah. Okay, no, that still ends in a cliffhanger, though. That's it. Yeah, hold, wait, hold on. So back in Lakewood, Noah questions on his podcast who killed Kieran. So because you know, in the end of the second season of Scream, Emma's boyfriend was revealed to be the killer because he was in love yes. with Piper, who was the killer in season one. Oh. Yeah, I know. Season two ends with Kieran going to jail, and yes. in the beginning of the Halloween episode, he gets murdered by somebody. That is never resolved. Nah, I don't care. Okay, and then it says Emma's father, Kevin, is shown standing at Kieran's grave, and a man named Mr. James checks into a hotel. And that's, you know, Brandon James, who, who uh, was, like, right, like yes. the killer of the show. He was like, the MacGuffin. Yes. So, I mean, again, not, like, the biggest cliffhanger, but that's still a cliffhanger. Like, you still have threads left open. All right. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so it had not resolved everything. I apologize. I will concede this point to you. 
With that said, I'm pretty sure that the ratings did not merit any kind of continuance. No. But I think MTV understood, you know what, there's still something to be done here, like Scream. It's still fucking Scream. So they knew that they still had some kind of intellectual property they could make money off of. So they went ahead with the third season. They announced that it was going to be completely reformatted. It's a brand new cast, kind of anthology-like. Obviously, they were looking at American Horror Story. And probably Scream Queens a little bit. Yeah. So they went ahead with this. From what I understand, it got completely shot. They were like ready to release it. And then MTV got cold feet. So they decided that they were going... No, wait. Okay. This is where the details aren't 100% clear because it's all caught up in litigation. It somehow is involved in the Weinstein affair. So when Me Too happened and Harvey Weinstein had to step down. Remember how they sold off a bunch of different properties? Yeah. So this was one of those properties. And it got sold to Netflix. And then Netflix basically couldn't air it because it was wrapped up in the proceedings. So like they couldn't actually do anything with it, despite the fact that they had apparently bought it. And then somehow it got out from under all of that nonsense. And then all of a sudden... It gets released by VH1 mysteriously. <laughs> so I think Netflix realized this is garbage shit and we don't want anything to do with it. And VH1 was like, okay, sure, we'll air it. <laughs> and then they realized it was garbage shit and they dumped it over the course of a quote unquote three night event. Yes. And this is where we are. So normally, okay, I don't review a lot of TV, but normally when you get when like the TV show comes out, you know, they're like, okay, cool, they'll send press, you know, three episodes or six episodes or whatever. And so, you know, when you read a review of a TV season, quote unquote, it says three episodes watched for review, six yes. episodes watched for review. Certain things like a lot of Netflix shows like Stranger Things, which just came out last week, there was a list of different things that press were not allowed to reveal. But it's not like can't talk about anything beyond episode two or something like that. Like typically they're not that stringent. But in this case, they said, okay, cool. Episodes one and two are embargoed until the day they air. Now, they didn't give a time, so I'm assuming that the review could have gone up at any time, because that's when my review went up um, before they aired. But then, episodes three and four were embargoed until Tuesday, the day they aired, and then episodes five and six were embargoed until Wednesday, the day they aired. But you couldn't reveal the killer until... 11 p.m. Eastern Time, which is when the episode ends, which that makes sense. Obviously, like, what fucking review is going to reveal the killer before it airs? It does, but it also feels like they're trying to maximize coverage for something that they clearly don't have a lot of faith in, which seems very odd to me. Well, they are, but again, it's important to note, and I know you, I think you agree with me on this, that these episodes, like, the sets of two, the quality gets worse as they go on. So... I think that they were like, ooh, we can't have these reviews released early because they're all going to be bad. And then the first two episodes are the best ones. So they're going to be arguably our best reviews that we get. (laughs) Yeah. Get out in front of it, VH1. You do you. (laughs) And it makes me so mad because I'm seeing the coverage come out. So everyone, we're recording this, you know, like Joe said, early. We're recording this the Wednesday prior to the premiere. So there's, you know, trailers and images and stuff coming out. And I'm looking at the comments on Blood Disgusting, and people are like, oh my god, I'm so excited, Ghostface Mm -hmm. is back, the Mm -hmm. voice is there. And I'm like, okay, the only reason they are like this is because it's the Ghostface mask. And And the voice, yeah. And the voice. And I'm like, okay, I get that the mask, the blowjob mask from the first two seasons wasn't (laughs) great. Must we call it that? That's what it is. But... But here's the thing. So that that was criticized immediately. And people were, oh, it's going to be shit. It's going to be shit. It's going to be shit. And it's like, it's so cosmetic. Like, I would never look at something, any kind of remake, you know, and say, oh, the look of that isn't the same as the original. So therefore, it's going to be shit. And I cannot wait to see reactions from people who were saying, who were excited for this. <laughs> like, it just makes me laugh. Because it's like, y'all shut down these first two seasons, the first season before it even aired, because the mask didn't look good. Yes, you can criticize the mask, but don't expect the show to be total shit. I mean, it, you know, whatever. But, but like, the fact that people... I can see where you're coming from, but, I mean, A, this is tried and true horror fans. Like, I know, and it makes me so mad. We love horror, and we simultaneously hate and shit all over horror. I mean, we've seen this time after time. Every time they try to reboot any kind of franchise or beloved 80s property in particular, people get their fucking arms up about every little detail. So it never surprised me that people were very 
adamant about the look of the mask in the second or in the the TV season. Right. Now, with that said, I mean, yeah, I don't think a lot of people gave it a fair shake. I will fully concede, and I'm interested to hear your opinions. I really aggressively hated the TV show. Like, I know you talked about how you liked Brooke. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't mind Bex Taylor Close. I know that you don't love so, her. So yeah, I don't like her. <laughs> but but neither one of us like Noah, who was the Randy no. of the show. Didn't like Noah, the Randy, and I fucking hated Emma, the main girl played by Willa yeah. Fitzgerald. She is so boring. She's the Amir of this uh, of the Ugh. first two seasons. <laughs> Okay, so listeners, spoiler alert, Amir in The Screen Resurrection is the worst, most wooden actor I have seen put on my television screen in a long time. Don't know that we needed the spoiler alert for that, considering that we're literally spoiling everything. Yeah, we're spoiling this, and we haven't spoiled The Killers yet, but I'm assuming if you're listening to this, y'all probably have watched it. Or you're just morbidly curious. But yes, um, Christopher Jordan Wallace, who plays Amir, sucks real bad. Yeah. Okay, wait, before we go any further, yeah. so let's set out some ground rules here. So yes, we're spoiling. Yes, we're talking about all six episodes. And finally, if you have not already watched these episodes, neither one of us think that you should watch it. Yeah. I would rather you actually just listen to us talk about it and laugh about it and maybe seek out spoilers or clips or something like that. For the love of God, do not waste six hours of your life on this. It is not worth it. Okay, so I want to address your things about the the first two seasons. I, first of all, (laughs) when I was trying, because I knew I reviewed the pilot, and I I was very generous with it. I gave it a three out of five back in 2015. And I apparently reviewed both seasons, like, episodic. And I had episode reviews. (laughs) And I don't remember writing those. Like, that's how forgettable those seasons are. Was it also because you were high? No, like? no, I no, <laughs> not, not at all. I mean, I don't really smoke weed, and I didn't drink when I would write. I mean, that's only at festivals. Um, so I cut the series a lot of slack because I was very much like, you know, it's not Scream. Like, it's not what it is. I hated Noah. I really am annoyed by Bex Taylor Klaus. M- Willa Fitzgerald is atrocious as your final girl. Ooh. But the, the third episode when the Asian girl, I think her name is Brienne Chu two something like that that was a really good like chase slash kill scene and it kind of like perked my interest up again it never met that the problem with the show was it wasn't good at chase scenes or kill scenes except oh except for when um emma's boyfriend dies he gets like the big chainsaw machine like down his head but they don't show Mm -hmm. it oh yeah that was a good one yeah yeah i mean there were moments of inspiration now looking back on it is it completely forgettable yes yes however is it better than what we just watched? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like this third season or this mini series, it's hilarious. I was looking it up on IMDb and everyone actually has both still listed on their credits. So they're all listed as being in Scream Season 3. Yeah, and Scream Resurrection. Resurrection. Yes. <laughs> it's like, they're the same thing. But these people are all bad. Well, okay. Uh, That's a caveat. There's there's a couple of people who are okay, but this third season, despite being shorter by four hours yeah. than it both of feels those first two seasons. So much longer. <laughs> so bad. So bad. I so hey, I want to point something out. So because of the embargo situation, like I talked to my editor and I was like, Hey, like, do you want three reviews for this? I don't really know. And we were like, No, let's do like a review of the first two episodes and then we'll do like a post finale like piece. So I watched the first two episodes, but then proceeded to finish the season before I wrote my review for the big first mistake. two episodes. <laughs> Which was a big mistake. <laughs> because then I was writing my review today and I was like, fuck. Because the quality dips, not significantly, because the first two episodes aren't great to begin with, but I basically, like, I put in my review, I was like, at least it's not boring, but the problem is, after episode two, <laughs> it is really boring. It is. Oh my gosh. <laughs> How do you make six hours feel boring? Like, so boring. Well, and this is something we're going to come across, too, is, have you finished season three of Slasher yet? No, I'm on episode five. Okay, so... Since the last season of Scream, we have had two exceptional, or at least very good, depending on, you know, your mileage, seasons of Slasher, both of which are eight episodes long, both of which are light years, leaps and bounds, better than all three seasons of Scream. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the fact that this is just now coming out, like, season one of Slasher came out before season two of Scream aired, I think. I'd put them probably on par. Like, they're both kind of entertaining but also sort of boring 
See, I don't think Slasher's boring at all. I do not think it's season boring. Season one. Oh! I'm talking season one. Yes, sorry. You are right about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so season one of Slasher is not great, but seasons two and three are awesome. But that's also because of the Netflix deal. Well, yeah. I mean, made under potentially different circumstances, mm-hmm. but it's just so strange to watch something that calls itself Scream, that uses Ghostface as both a voice, as a mask, and doesn't seem to have any kind of idea how to function as an entertaining TV show, as a horror film, or as a horror television show. Like, it's not hitting any of the check marks. Or taking this new cast, which is, again, like, you have, like, your, your primarily black cast, and not really using it, like... Again, Scream is known for its metatextual commentary. That's what it is. And you have a black cast, which this franchise has never had before. And they don't really make use of it. No. Like, there's a couple jokes. There's a... Okay, I didn't know this was, like, actually funny. Because I honestly felt awkward when it was happening. But whenever Beth was telling Kim and Dion that they were probably not going to last as long as the rest of them. (laughs) Because they were black. I was like... Like, I get the intention, I get why she's saying that, but it didn't feel right, like, to come out of her mouth. It works better going the opposite way when you've got Kim throwing it back in Best Face and being like, well, we're not in your stupid white person movie. Mm -hmm. Even though the problem is, is that they are. Like, this is so obviously white person scream with, you know, some colorful language and an Atlanta setting. But... They're not doing anything particularly different. And to me, that's one of the problems with this series is that it's so content to just say, we've got teenagers, we've got a killer, and then they pat themselves on the back and act like, okay, now we can just call it a day. And it's like, no, you have to make them interesting. You actually have to have a cohesive storyline. You need to know pacing because Jesus fucking Christ, these episodes feel so long and they're yeah. so repetitive. Like, I literally texted you at one point. I was like, I don't know if I'm watching the episodes in the right order because they all just feel <laughs> exactly the same. Well, and it, like the problem is, too, that your protagonist, Dion, played by RJ Seiler, who uh, listeners may know from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, or he played Billy in Power Rangers, the movie. And he was better in both of those. So Ab- Absolutely. This has watered down his charisma and turned him into a worse actor. But then you're turning, you're going back to your your boring protagonist. But you know what? You know what Scream, the franchise, doesn't have? A boring protagonist. Because Sidney Prescott is a fucking badass. And she she is a very famous final girl. Is Mm -hmm. anyone going to remember Dion tomorrow? Oh, God, no. But I would argue that virtually none of these characters are memorable. At least not in the right ways. So I thought that um, Georgia Wiggum, who plays Beth, was... Well, she's given the worst dialogue, because she's she's the Randy of this show. Yeah. And... She's also that killer. She's also one of the killers. And I was all on board with her. I thought she kind of had fun with her killer monologue, but... Spoiler alert, yeah. everyone. The killer motive is one of the most problematic things I've seen in a horror movie <laughs> in a very long time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. Let's save that. Yeah, we're going to save that for later. Let's do a character rundown. So I'm going to read them out, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on each of them. Okay, wait. In case you haven't seen it, by the way, maybe we'll do, like, the basic premise. So I'll just read what I wrote in my review unless you have a plot summary. I do not, because I could not put in the time for this. Okay, so this is very basic. So... Eight years after his brother is killed by a hook-handed man, Tony Todd, in a cameo that's useless. Mm -hmm. One of two. (laughs) Yeah, one of two. Dion, RJ Seiler, is now a teenager and struggling to get over his past trauma. While at school one day, he and his crush Liv, Jessica Sula, who is apparently in Split. Also, she's very boring in this this show. (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. So they get sent to detention after Dion has an altercation with the school bully. The series then turns into a horror version of The Breakfast Club, and that's because the group is quick to name themselves The Dead Fast Club, which is yawn, eye roll. The first of so many groaners. <laughs> As Dion and Liv meet goth girl horror movie expert Beth, played by Georgia Wiggum, drug dealer Shane, Tyler Posey. I didn't even know he was in this, and I was like, what is he doing in this? It's because it was originally developed for MTV. They literally just stole a bunch of people from other MTV shows. Because I believe Jessica Sula is also from a couple of other MTV shows. She is. the ill-advised adaptation of Skins. Yes. No, she is in that. I just didn't know any of her shows because I don't watch MTV. 
yeah, a lot of their shows are pretty bad. There's also perfect student Amir, Christopher Jordan Wallace, activist Kim, Kiki Palmer from Scream Queens, who is the most experienced and the best part of the show, even though her character is kind of grating for the first, like, three episodes. Yeah. And then her gay best friend Manny, oh god, Julian Yao Gioiello from Iron Fist. (laughs) That's, I don't know. Wow. I know. (laughs) When Dion is attacked by someone in a ghost face costume, the group realizes that they are being stalked by a mysterious killer who deems it necessary to expose all of them for the frauds that he, she, they believes them to be. And I just put this at the end because I felt like I had to include it. (laughs) In addition to the serial killer drama, Dion must deal with his mother, Mary J. Blige, and stepbrother Jamal, Tyga, both of whom are worried about Dion as the anniversary of his brother's death fast approaches. Nicely written. I know, right? I just made that up. I mean, not just now. I mean, when I was writing the review. Yeah. So there's your list of players. Lots of fun people to die. And And they do kill almost all of them. Yeah. The only survivors are Kim and Dion and Liv. And dude. Oh, uh, we'll talk about it at the end. It's fine. But yeah. So (laughs) these characters. I mean. Yes. Okay. So we've talked about Dion. He's... He's our main character. He's super boring. He sometimes takes up half an episode to play football. (laughs) Of the finale. Of the finale. The finale, half of it, is devoted to his fucking football scholarship. Which has not really been touched on, I think, for an entire episode at that point. Well, because it's because the bully is the quarterback, right? And then he gets impaled in the first episode, so then they move Dion up to his spot. Yeah, but it comes to nothing. Nothing like, at all. Who could care? No one cares. It's nobody cares. No. Uh, oh yeah, it's okay. So whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have so many things to say about the finale of this show, and I just want to be like, these people are so fucking stupid. Like the characters in this show, who make some of the most boneheaded decisions I have ever. Well, notice I keep saying I, I have ever seen on TV or whatever, because this is like one of the worst things I've seen in a long time. It's honestly legitimately shockingly bad. Mm-hmm. So you started watching these episodes before I did because I had to beg and plead to be given yeah. this turd fest. So you had warned me and I thought that you were exaggerating. I was like, come on, man. How bad could this possibly be? Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. Well, and that's, but that's the thing. Though. The first two episodes, like, it feels very much like those first two seasons. Like, I was like, okay, cool. So it's it's not better than what anyone's expecting it to be but yeah. it's pretty much and it's on maybe par. not worse yeah yeah it's it's on par but man it just fucking tanks after that second episode maybe even dur- honestly kind of during the second episode when I they fucking the second episode yeah well because the, the set piece is cool you know all the kids are trapped in the school after hours with Ghostface. but then fucking kim kiki palmer has Ghostface at gunpoint no it's not her is it dion it's shane oh it's shane okay i'm sorry that's tyler posey the drug dealer and just lets him run away, and it's not even yeah. like oh he got away really quickly. He's literally running down the hall, <laughs> yeah. like for like and then a good he gets like stopped by like a fence that he has to go through. Yes, and then he's still standing there, and they're like they're just arguing about it. It makes no sense. It's it poor no writing. Sense. And oh, and I should mention y'all the premiere and the finale of this show were both directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Widmeyer, who directed Starry Eyes and the Pet Cemetery remake from earlier this year. But you wouldn't know it. Because this show has no style <laughs> at all. No. Well, this feels like it was produced from the MTV Meat Grinder. So one of the things that I mentioned to you was that this looks identical to another MTV serial killer kind of show that I used to watch called Eye Candy with Victoria Justice. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the quality, the aesthetic, even down to the kind of generic cookie cutter cast like the way that they all look the way that they're all styled the way that they talk the way that the whole series is shot it's very similar and it makes me wonder if there's some kind of i don't know like a formula that gets impressed on these series because it's shockingly similar and shockingly bad Okay, we've made it like 20, 25 minutes into this episode, and we haven't even discussed the opening scene, which, okay, Scream... Because it comes to nothing. It comes to... I hope y'all don't like Paris Jackson, because she literally has five seconds of screen time, and maybe one line before she's not in the, sh- in the show anymore, and she doesn't even get killed. No. I think one of the shocking things about this series is the number of attempts that they make at doing callbacks to the original franchise. 
So obviously every single Scream film has this memorable opening, right? Right. Again, your mileage is going to vary depending on which one you like the most. Mm -hmm. But they all do something, right? They're setting the tone and they often play out like mini vignettes or like shorts, like horror shorts. Yeah. And this, this opener, you can tell that that's exactly what they think they're doing, but it's so brief. And Paris Jackson is not a character and there are no scares. It seems like the closest it's coming is Scream 4's attempt at doing that self-referential yeah. meta where it's like, haha, you're dead. Oh, no, you're actually not because we're acknowledging that we're in a horror film. Right. Which you could argue is like, oh, it's smart writing because that's what the rest of this series tries to do is that mm-hmm. they're living in a literal horror film. But it's so ineptly done and it's so brief and there's no payoff like i think the payoff is actually supposed to be that dion's brother whose name escapes me marcus i think thank you yeah i think Uh, i I think the payoff is supposed to be that he gets killed well no it it is so the subversion of the expectations okay you think it's gonna oh she gets a phone call like the killer's gonna come after her then she you know a kid comes trick-or-treating wearing the ghost face mask but then boom we're following ghost face to do whatever but oh it's just like a fucking 12 or 10 year old kid like whatever he is Mm mm-hmm but this opening also does something that I that I hate that movies do. Uh, it's something that My Bloody Valentine remake did, where it shows you him get killed, like with a hook in his head. Yeah. But that's not what happens. So it literally shows you something that didn't happen. And I guess you could argue, oh, it's what, well, as we'll learn later, it's what Marcus was seeing when Dion was quote-unquote killed. Because, everyone, for no particular reason, the person... Uh, uh, <laughs> The person playing Dion in this movie has actually been Marcus the whole time, and it was actually Dion that died instead of Marcus. But that's yes. stupid. And he was killed because Tony Todd's mechanic character was having war flashbacks. Yeah, but like it shows, <laughs> it shows the hook go into his forehead, and that's not what happens. And so basically, Dion runs away and, and this is revealed later, episode three, I think. Dion runs away and hides in a car trunk and gets locked in there. And basically, he can't get out, so he dies. He you suffocates. Know. Yeah. Or, you know, starvation, thirst, poops on himself, pees on himself, whatever. Uh, Maybe gets crushed in that fun car thing. Yeah, for sure. Which is what happens to Tony Todd. But so, whatever. So that's your cult open, is that this kid gets killed. And it doesn't, it doesn't work. And I I, yeah. I don't know why it doesn't work, but it's just, it's not Scream. Don't put Scream on this. <laughs> well, yeah, that I think is actually going to be the number one disappointment for a lot of people is that they're going to watch this and they're going to say, this wants to be Scream so badly. And it mm-hmm. is some shitty imitator that thinks they know what Scream is because they kind of casually watch the movies and they were like, oh, it's just people making self-referential comments. You ended up texting me a little while after you had watched the finale and you asked me what it is about Kevin Williamson because nobody else seems to be able to replicate this Mm -mm. collision of humor and scariness. People keep trying to do it and never seems to work for them. And this series is like a prime example of people just so desperately trying to recapture that magic and having it just completely fall apart. And here's the thing. So Williamson is able to write meta dialogue in a way that feels organic. Whereas when it's Scream 3, Aaron Kruger, or anything in these Scream TV shows, it literally feels like the production is grinding to a halt to look at the audience and say, hey, we're, we're mentioning this kind of cool, popular, or obscure horror movie. Wink, wink. Okay, continue back to our discussion. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. And that may be also why Scream 4 doesn't work for some people, because his script was retooled. I actually think that the dialogue in Scream 4 works very well, but it is the best in those first two movies. But, like, let's compare... Okay, so we're both in agreement. I'm bringing us back to the characters a little bit. So we're both in agreement that Beth, the ultimate killer, but also the Randy of this TV show, she's actually... I think it's that the actress herself is actually pretty good, and the I like dialogue it. that she's given is not particularly great. It's so on the nose. Like, uh, I, let me see. I, I, I wrote down a couple lines since first two episodes. Uh, maybe I didn't. <laughs> no, it's we're in a horror movie, and horror has rules. And we're uh, she she coins the dead fast club, which is the stupidest fucking thing. Mm. But it's it's very much like yeah, because we're in a horror movie, and I think they say that like fifty times. Oh my 
gosh, yes. There's so many drinking games to be had with this movie. <laughs> but so I'm thinking she is the Randy of this. Right. And if you think back to part four, which is arguably the one that a lot of contemporary people have a problem with. So people mm-hmm. dislike three, but acknowledge it for what it's trying to do back in that day and age. Well, and they cut it slack because of the production issues and, you yes. know, not having Williamson and it being a post-Columbine film. Like, mm-hmm. you can cut three a lot of slack. So, yeah. Yeah. So if we look at four as the one, I mean, if you look just within the time period, like they're also relatively close to each other because we're talking about 2011 and now this is 2017, 2018, 2019, who the fuck knows? (laughs) I think Beth, her closest relation would be Kirby from Scream 4, right? Yeah. But like when you put these two characters side by side, and I I think it's also like Hayden Panettiere, I think is a better actress she's got a better handle she on the sure kind of content but like when she does that epic fucking monologue where mm-hmm. she's trying to save herself and she names all of the movies the remakes yeah that's so self-fucking referential and yet it 100 percent works like everything that kirby does in scream 4 again mileage may vary but to me it works like she's the best character in she that is. movie so then how do we have self-referential characterisms in this movie that just fell flat every single time? I mean, it, it is a combination of the writing being worse and, yes, the actors not fully knowing how to deliver it. It's kind of like that Diablo Cody syndrome, you know? Like when people, like, when Jennifer's body came out and people were like, well, Megan Fox and Amanda Savory don't know how to speak Diablo Cody's dialogue. Right. That's yeah. how I feel with this. But the problem is they're getting wannabe Kevin Williamson dialogue that's already not good and they don't know how to deliver it. And then calling it Scream. Yes, exactly. That's it. If you have a slasher movie that's referencing horror movies, it's Scream. That's all it is. Yeah. Okay, so what did you think about Kim? So you mentioned that you think Kiki Palmer gets better as she goes along. She does. And I, I, she does. She, she does. <laughs> she and is. Honestly, so it was the beginning of the second episode when she comes across that corpse that had had his throat slashed. And then she's running around going, white officer down, white officer down. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought that was actually one of the few instances of acknowledgement, like, oh, okay, yeah, this is a black character who's savvy enough to recognize that if she says, this drug dealer has been murdered, it's not going to work. So she calls White Officer yeah. down. But no, and, and that that was a genuine laugh for me. That wasn't me saying, oh, this is stupid. That was me being, oh, like, A, it's apt commentary, and it is actually funny. I did want to say one thing, though. Have you seen the Netflix movie, Blumhouse movie, Thriller, that came out back in April? I have not. Okay, are you familiar with it? I am familiar with it, and I know it got some criticisms leveled at it. Yeah, so I watched an hour of it before before we started recording. I was trying to watch the whole thing, but I didn't have time. Holy fuck, it's boring. But, (laughs) (laughs) because it's it's a slasher movie that's basically ripping off Prom Night and and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Okay. But with an all-black cast set in um, Southside L.A., and I was trying to see if maybe it handled, like, the race stuff better or at least used it more than this show did. Um, okay. It doesn't. <laughs> so <laughs> so what we're saying is we need some recommendations for, like, some genuinely good black slashers. Well, and the problem is, though, like, so, like that, that movie had, like, a black crew with it. I mean, at least the director's black. This show, the, the creative team most, I mean, Queen Latifah is the executive producer on this show. Mm-hmm. But that just could mean money. Absolutely. It totally could. But I'm just surprised that... Because it also, with the exception of Beth, all the white people are killed pretty early. <laughs> Even the gay kid, I think he's a person of color. He's, he's um, Hispanic. Mm-hmm. But I think still, Hispanic-Asian, actually. Yes, I think you're right. Also, his gayness means absolutely nothing. Which, I mean, you could argue is fine, because that's where we want to be. Where it's like, oh, he's no. gay, it's fine. No. Okay, so let's talk about Manny because we can do this sorry. in 20 seconds. I distracted you from Kim. I'm sorry. That was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I mean, my thing with Manny is that he's a literal sidekick. They mm-hmm. define him as the gay best friend. And while Kim does address that and just says the gay is implied or the gay is obvious and right. you just need to say BFF really, like, Manny is not a character. So I can't be happy about the fact that his sexuality is a non-starter like it's not an issue if only because manny himself is a non-starter and he is a non-issue we're supposed to care when he gets killed and kim has literally one episode where she attends his funeral and she gets upset and then the next episode so episode five which i think you and i are in agreement is is the worst worst. one yeah 
it's where she decides to start playing black cop, white cop, buddy movie. Yeah. And I don't know that his name is ever uttered again. And it's 48 hours later in the world of this show. It's also because the only reason we are supposed to care about Manny is because Kim cares about Manny. His mm-hmm. only like reason for being is her gay best friend. That's yeah. it. He has no agency or any kind of arc or plot or anything other than no. he's Kim's best friend. No, although we do find out that he was apparently hooking up with that other guy on the on the football team that she then just replaces him with when she goes to college in the coda. <sighs> like, oh, I guess gay best friends are now just interchangeable. Yep. You just that's, traded that's out us. your Hispanic Asian one for the white one. Good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But I think that's one of the issues that I really had with a lot of these characters is I think at one point, Beth, she says, we're in a horror movie. And then she goes, you're the protagonist. You're the final girl. You're the geek. I'm the goth. You're the gay. And I was just like, yes, because that is literally how they created this cast and how they've written all of them. And they never get to play outside that sandbox. Which, and obviously they're doing the Breakfast Club there, but the thing with the Breakfast Club is, it spent the entire runtime fleshing out those characters and getting mm-hmm. into their heads. This show doesn't and do that. complicating them. Yes! Proving that the geek is not just the geek, that the girl is, like, the princess is... Is not just the princess, yeah. Yeah. This literally does that for the first episode. And the weirdest thing is, is that these characters don't have a relationship to one another. Yeah. So it's literally that they all ended up in detention together that seals their fate. And then the whole series acts like, well, we're in this together. We're friends. And you're like, wait, you don't even know each other. And the detention thing was pure happenstance. Because when Beth is giving her monologue, she even says, oh, yeah, like us getting detention together. That was just fate. It gave me a chance to exercise my demons, too. And I'm like, so what? <laughs> like, what? The so you literally just wanted to kill a bunch of people. Literally doesn't matter which ones. Yeah. And, and we'll get into that in just a minute. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Amir. Well, wait, I, did you want to say anything about Kim? I kept calling Kim Dear White People, because that's basically what she's doing in this movie, in this show. Uh, hmm, yeah. I mean, a little offensive, but... <laughs> well, no, because when they introduce her, she's doing, like, you know, on, on the, the quad or whatever you want to call it, you know, with a megaphone. Like, she's yeah. she's being, like, the activisty role that Logan Browning or Tessa Thompson, who whichever version of Dear White People you're watching, mm-hmm. that's basically, like, the, the type of character she's playing. Absolutely. Because you can't have a black character who... You need to have at least one sort of militant activist one, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Because if not, you're stuck with fucking Liv. Oh, fuck. Okay, wait. Let's yeah, let's just tackle the boring ones. Because <laughs> they're the only... <laughs> there's nothing really to say we about... They're all we have left. <laughs> well, we have Shane, but he's, again, nothing until he gets killed. In one mm. of the better deaths of the series, I will admit. True. But yeah, so we've got Liv who is the red herring of this entire franchise. And yeah. even the finale when Dion is, con- I'm sorry, Dion, Dion Marcus, whatever you want to call him, is confronting her. She's playing so like mysterious. And I was like, oh, she's actually the killer. Like they're actually making her the killer. Mm-hmm. They're delivering on what they've been setting up. It might have been disappointing, but it also at least would have kind of made sense. Yes. But uh, before that, though, her and Dion's romance, I did not give two shits about at all. No. I think we're supposed to feel something when they have sex. And I was like, they had more passion in the dream sequence. Dude, I know. (laughs) And I think Jessica Sewell is, I guess, fine in the role that asks nothing of her. No, man. She's just pretty. I feel bad for her. Like, this character (laughs) is so bland. She basically gets to stand around and go like, I'm concerned about Dion. Okay, girl. Sure. (laughs) She's your final girl, and then she gets saved by Dion. Yeah. Like, what? Well, Trace, this is a gender inversion, man. It's Mm -hmm. like 2019. Yeah. Okay, so she's... There's nothing else to say about her. She's terrible. So then we have Amir, who... Doesn't have anything to do in the first two episodes, but then they shoehorn in this romance with Beth. Mm-hmm. And I think he's the one that whenever Tyler Posey dies in the next episode, he runs up and he goes, Hey man, did you hear Shane got killed? I guess Ghostface must have got him. Delivered just like that. Actually, I think even flatter. <laughs> <laughs> no, and so when hey, him man. and... Ghostface got him. When him and Beth are having their like, oh, we might have sex, like, right, basically right before he dies... He's delivering his lines 
with no emotion whatsoever. I don't know who directed those episodes, but they're terrible. And shame mm. on them for not correcting this kid or firing well, him. So I looked up the credits, and I think he is among the actors who have the least amount of mm-hmm. prior acting work. And I think it shows. Well, he's the only one in my plot summary, in my review, that I didn't like. You know, when you, oh, this character played by this actor, oh, here's like one or two things they've been in. Mm-hmm. He's the only you one. I don't. I, I have nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everybody's got to get their start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. He's. It's terrible. It's so bad. Yeah, I think for me it was like a race to the bottom between him and Liv. Liv gets more to play with because she's got her fucking sheriff dad and mm-hmm. she's got, you know, her self-harming, whereas Amir just has his parents' donut shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, what are we even talking about? <laughs> and I think what Mary J. Blige has maybe three scenes in this whole series. Like, I don't... I, I forgot she was even in this no, until I the know. end. Like the very final scene. Oh, it's like, oh, right. Mary J. Blige is still kicking around. We're also forgetting Jamal slash Jay, who they start calling, they start calling Jamal Jay in like the final episode, (laughs) played by Tyga, who I also don't care about. No. And that's another part of what makes that fifth episode just so fucking terrible. It's all about him. It's all about him because you've got to set him up because he's the fucking killer. Yeah. The other fucking killer. And they basically spent no time with him except for him being like, oh, Dion, I wish I had your family. My dad, my mom, blah, 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 broke up. Oh, unhappy mm-hmm. marriage. Look, I'm doing a Roman from Scream 3, only I'm yeah. also less interesting. Well, and it's it's also really stupid. I mean, do we want to go on to the killers now? Or we... Oh, God, yeah. Let's just move on. I feel like there was something... I don't know. We were just... Well, we can talk about how everybody calls Ghostface Ghostface from the very first fucking minute. Okay, but yeah, there are two things. So there are two (laughs) things that are terrible about the show. One of them, yes, they call him Ghostface every two minutes. Instead of just the killer, which I'm pretty sure is what they do in all the movies. And also how none of these characters behave like normal people. (laughs) Oh, God, yes. Okay, so let's come back to Liv and her relationship with her father as a microcosm of the fact that literally none of these teens, A, apparently none of them have parents yeah. like dion has well, a mom that sporadically parachutes in and out i will give it that because that that's especially of the late 90s like teenage movie cycle that's always a thing like these kids do not have parents they're all orphans and they're just living on their own but at least at least acknowledge it does anyone say oh i'm a latchkey kid you know my parents are constantly working or like oh my god beth lives in a fucking funeral home that's just (laughs) empty and it's never addressed where are your parents how come no one is here she was around death all the time that's what made her a sociopath oh my god yeah (laughs) We're we're working our way up to this but yeah no so when, when people die no one seems to care it just no goes on I think at one point, Beth talks about how after Amir was killed, she had to spend the rest of the night around the police officers because they were talking to her. But, like, Manny is toaster strudled in a fucking cornfield, and everybody is at school the next day. It happened in the middle of the night, and they're just at school for first period. And you're like, um, yeah. I don't think people can just die, and you just go back to school the next day. And Kim's last interaction with him was a big fight. Like, she told him to go away, or maybe he told her to go away. I don't really remember. And you figured that'd be a whole episode of her being like, the last thing I said to my gay best friend was I hated him. Ugh. Nope. She's fine. She does a tiny bit of moping. She does, a little four, bit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you would expect especially because we're operating on a condensed timeline. Like, all of the events of the series take place, I think, in maybe three to four days leading up to Halloween. Yeah. So the number of people who are murdered in and around this group of friends, these kids would all be in lockdown. Either their parents would be there looking after them 24-7, or they would be in jail or, like, protective custody or some shit. But they don't want to talk to the police because snitches get killed. (laughs) It's like, oh, I'm sorry, if a serial killer tells me that snitches get killed, I'm already at the fucking police station. So some of the deaths make sense, too, because, you know, Beth is just killing people at random. But then, like, even the first guy that dies, who is 
the kid that stole Dion and Marcus's the Uber candy. driver? Yes. But like, <laughs> what? what? I forgot about him during the reveal. I was like, who is this? <laughs> Which, the death's kind of cool because he, he like stabs him in the neck and he wraps a plastic bag around his head and like the bag fills with blood and like he basically Which drowns in his own blood. We just saw in Slasher and done better. Yes, absolutely. But okay, why does Jamal kill him? Only because Dion slash Marcus mentioned him in the police report? Like, there's no reason for him to go after this person. Because we needed a body in episode one. Well, and on that note, there's not really a reason for Jamal to kill anyone except for Dion slash Marcus. Well, doesn't he say in his killer reveal that he didn't actually commit any of the other murders? That it was always Beth? Right, but they show him... Oh, God. When they reveal that they're the killers, they flash back to, like, every kill that he was a part of because he takes his mask off. (laughs) as they're all dying and it's just a constant montage of like body ghost face take the mask off it's jamal body ghost face take the mask off it's jamal they do that like five times yeah because you know if you're gonna kill someone the immediate thing that you should do is take off the mask although beth does have that mildly funny line when she's wrangling live in the hall during the final climax where she says you know this mask is really hard to see out of yes no okay every once in a while right every you know again there are sparks there are sparks of intelligence in some of the lines of the show (laughs) but it's just it never pays off it's it's never like throughout it's like they had they came out of their drunken stupor when they were writing it and said oh yeah that's funny and it was and then they just got drunk again Where the actors, like, somehow came out of their comatose performances and said, oh, here's a line reading that I could do that's a little bit off-kilter. Might be amusing. Oh, wait, I'm back to Boringville. And the fact that we're praising lines like that just shows how awful the rest of the show is. Oh, my God. I felt like I was living through the needle pit in Saw 2 just trying to find something that wasn't going to make me cry or hurt me. I mean, y'all, this is a movie... Where a character, in order to learn more about horror movies and how to survive one, watches Rob Zombie's Halloween. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so look, let's go into these fucking killers. So, the finale is 22 minutes of a football game. Yep. (laughs) I was so into it, it was like watching Friday Night Lights all over again. Oh, wait, I'm watching motherfucking Scream. Yeah. I don't care about pigskin. Well, it's important to note, too, that so the episode 5 ends with Jamal slash Jay getting stabbed multiple times to where he should be dead. Mm-hmm. And then he manages to make it all the way through his killer monologue just to die immediately after finishing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it works, Trace. That's medicine. Yes. So, yeah, basically Jamal is revealed to be the killer. So Dion finds him and then he reveals, hey, I know that you're really Marcus and... My dad married your mom, and then my dad treated you better than he treated me, so I'm jealous, and that's why I wanted to kill you, because you got everything I never had. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you're right, it's the Roman from Screen 3 reveal, which, if you're gonna crib from any of the movie's killer motives... crib (laughs) 3? You dumbasses. (laughs) I will say, I did kind of like the idea that Dion had taken over his brother's identity. It's the only moderately surprising thing to happen. Well, actually, I I, think I was surprised that Beth was the killer. I will admit that. But the problem is, I just don't think it holds water because I really feel like that mother, like any parent, would know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which one of their kids was alive. <laughs> I mean, if not right away, then over the course of the eight years, be like, hey, you're kind of acting like Marcus. And I'm not sure exactly what the payoff is. Like, we open on that scene. That's our very first opening scene, is watching these brothers. And we get, you know, the occasional little, oh, yeah, like, I'm looking for my brother. I want to know that he's still alive. Oh, Oh, he's not. He's dead and blah, blah, blah. The twins candy bar that they show, like, every episode. (sighs) Yeah. In case you didn't know. (laughs) It's not that it comes out of nowhere. It's just it happened. And I thought, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Well, it explains why he was so tortured and why he was such a boring person, because he was so withdrawn from feeling guilty over taking over his brother's identity and getting his brother killed. I mean, that's the reason. I'm not saying it's good. It's still terrible. But also, maybe to fucking be like, well, maybe two killer reveals isn't enough, so let's throw another twist to these people. Yeah, right? Like, how many twists on twists on twists can we take to make this interesting? Yeah. (laughs) Answer more, apparently. Maybe. 
(laughs) (laughs) Neither of us are convinced. I, yeah, I, oh, God. Okay, so that's the first reveal, and it lands, I think you stole this from me, like a bit of a wet fart. No, okay, so I I did, (laughs) my original title for my post-finale review was going to be, and the killer, apostrophe S, of Scream Resurrection is slash R wet fart noise, but I changed it to Scream Resurrection makes a mockery of horror fans everywhere. Fair. Okay. I know. And why do you say that, Trace? I don't understand. Holy fuck. Okay, now, Beth's motive. So, hey, her motive is that she's a sociopath and that she just wants to kill for fun. And then Jamal came into her tattoo shop one day and, like, she learned about the Dion Marcus thing and she basically convinced him to become a killer with her and, like, he was going to be her fall guy. Whatever. Yeah. That's normal. And as we talked about all the way back in Scream, so that very first regular episode that we did, this is traditional in the Scream canon. So typically you'll have one killer with a motive and the other person who will just be like, yeah, I just kind of did this. Right. So we're treading familiar ground and yet... But but they flip it to where, though, that the head killer is the one that just did it for fun and the sidekick had an actual motive, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I mean, that that's, you know, that's a good way to change it up. But everyone, I'm going to do a dramatic reading. Beth's killer monologue. Here we go. This is when Liv is confronting her, and, you know, that's it. (laughs) She goes... (laughs) Wait to set the stage. (laughs) She goes, I always knew I was a sociopath. I mean, why do you think I love horror movies so much? I watched every single one I could get my hands on until I realized it just wasn't quite enough. I mean, why should Michael Myers get to have all the fun when I could be a better monster because I'm not just some actor behind a mask? This is who I really am on the inside. Come on, that was a killer monologue. Literally. Oh, my fucking... And there's more, because when they get on the roof, she even goes... She goes on a bigger, like, tirade. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so I want to highlight. I always knew I was a sociopath. I mean, why do you think I love horror movies so much? There it is. Listeners, if you can't tell, this show is saying that horror movies are something sociopaths watch. Or that a sociopath is automatically going to gravitate towards horror movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Which brings us back to this eternal debate about if you watch horror movies, you must be fucked up. You lack empathy, which is a popular thing that just came out, you know, in the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. It's this bullshit line of dialogue that has really come to fruition since people started to blame metal music and horror films and video games in the post-Columbine world. Yeah. I mean, even before that, obviously. So the first film addresses this directly. Billy has that line where he says, you know, movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. And then in the second one, you know, you have Mickey who is saying, oh, I'm going to blame the movies. Like, the movies turn me insane. The movie addresses this issue, but it doesn't actually blame the horror genre or, you know, make a connection between, oh, like, only psychopaths watch horror. Yeah. And whoever wrote this... this is what Scream Resurrection is saying. Yes. It is literally, like, going against everything that the movie franchise says. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's doing it basically out of nowhere, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Scream 1 has all of this intertextual references, like there's an entire scene that takes place in a blockbuster. Scream 2 takes this even further by having the Cassandra complex and doing it on a stage. And the first scene takes place in a movie theater. Yeah. The TV show doesn't even have enough self-awareness to acknowledge, oh, if I'm going to try to do this, I should at least think about how I'm contextualizing it. This happens on a fucking rooftop over top of a library. Yeah. So you can only take it at face value, which is that, oh, if you're watching these movies, it's because you're a fucking sociopath. Like, if you get pleasure out of horror movies, it's because you lack empathy and you want to kill people. And then they weren't enough for her. So she had to go on and kill real people because horror movies just weren't really scratching that itch. Mm-hmm. I liked her performance of this. I really did. I, th- I thought oh, it yeah. was like... It's not the actress's fault. Yeah. Listeners, if you watched this and you didn't think you were being talked down to or outright insulted, mm-hmm. you need to watch it again because this show is insulting to all horror fans everywhere. It's yeah. target audience. <laughs> yeah, like, who do you think is actually watching this? It's basically throwing this shit back in your face and I think it thinks that it's being clever about it. Yeah. That's the worst part. It's like someone read the Wikipedia summaries for the movies, or even, like, abridged sum- summaries of the Wikipedia summaries, <laughs> and thought they got the hint. And then they just did this. And, yeah. you know, think what you will about the screen movies. You know, I think they're beautiful high art. Most people probably wouldn't agree. But <laughs> they address these things in a very 
tactful, thoughtful, thoughtful, respectful way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is just exploitative and downright irresponsible. Especially when we're now talking about a television series that is on its second attempt at cashing in on the capitalistic enterprise of the screen movie franchise. So it's not just insulting us, it's trying to profit off of us. So it's saying like, fuck you, but also give me your money. Which makes the embargo stuff, like, it makes me even more mad because I'm like, I want to tell people, no, this is why it's terrible. (laughs) And I can't do that yet. (laughs) Yeah, which is why we said off the top, if you have not watched this. Don't watch it. Love of God, don't. Because it's not just that it's not worth your time. It doesn't respect you. It doesn't respect any of us. No, it's... It's fucking rude. It's so rude. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, between the two of us, I I am the most forgiving, most generous of people when it comes to critiquing things. Like, I'm fully aware of that. And this just made me so angry. When she said that line, I looked at my husband and I was like, did they they really just fucking... Are they doing this? Are they going here? And they do. Yeah. It's... So they either know exactly what they're doing and they think they're being intelligent, but they're actually just being insulting... Or they're so clueless that they don't even realize what they just fucking did. I think it's the latter. I really think it's the latter because this whole show doesn't seem to know what it's doing. (laughs) It's so inept, it can't even nail the climax. I mean, and again, watching this, I bet you we can go back and watch this first two seasons and be like, oh yeah, they're not that bad. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) My rose-colored glasses are so firmly on. I'm like, wow, okay. Because we haven't even touched on the kills. Like, the kills, for the most part, in this TV show suck. Yeah. The the only ones that I thought were okay were Tyler Posey's Needle in the Eye. And I did, like, Amir's death when he got, I guess, a machete through his stomach through an elevator door. I think it's a bone saw. Gotcha. But then yeah. Ghostface was in the elevator, and the elevator was going down. And it, like, basically, like, slices down his body. Oh. And her thing about, like, oh, I knew if I could kill Amir, I could do anything. Like, god damn it. Like... <laughs> That's stupid. Yeah, because that means she truly doesn't have any feelings. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Bad characters, bad acting, bad dialogue, inept direction, bad pacing, and an insulting as fuck reveal. When I'm making my worst of 2019 list, I might just include Count This as a movie and just fucking put it on there. (laughs) I think you accidentally called it a movie at one point. Uh, So did you, actually. Damn it. (laughs) Okay, so... Any more things to say before we go on to your game? Uh, I want my six hours back. Well, I'm glad I saw it because, I mean, again, I'm a consumer. I will support horror. I wish I wouldn't. Well, actually, I'm not supporting this because I watched. I, <laughs> when, when the press people see my review, my, my first review for Monday is like, you know, a two out of five. But the review that's going to drop with this fucking episode, ooh, it's a one out of five, baby. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think at one point you said, oh, it's a one and a half for me. And yeah. I was like, oh, she's being generous. Yeah, right? One and a half. Generous. <laughs> yeah. So for me, it was a one, for sure. Yeah, no, for sure. I honestly was like, I'm only watching this so that we can have this discussion and so that I can write something about this. Yeah, everyone, this show sucks. If you haven't seen it, don't watch it. If you have seen it, let us know how terrible it is. Also, let fucking VH1 know how terrible it is. And go tell studios to make a good screen movie. And Yeah, demand better. Let Kevin Williamson do what he wants. Literally. <laughs> oh my god. Back up a dump truck full of fucking money and rubies and, I don't know, whatever kind of sexual kinks he's into. Dump it onto his front lawn and be like, please. And all due respect to Wes Craven, because, you know, rest in peace, he's great, and he's made those screen movies amazing, but Kevin Williamson is why those movies work as well as they do, because his screenplays are amazing. And I love Scream 4, but they brought in fucking Aaron Kruger again to tinker with his script, and no one really knows for sure how much of the movie is his and how much of the movie is Aaron Kruger's, but just let him do what he wants. <laughs> mm, yep. Yep. Let the man take control of the franchise. Well, that actually segues very nicely into the game for this very special bonus episode. Trace, mm-hmm. I'm basically asking you to do my homework for me. Okay. Where does the Scream franchise go from here? You know what? You give me that Blumhouse reboot that people keep talking about. I mean, five. would I love to see a Scream 5? Absolutely. But here's my thing. 
I think Scream 4 ended on such a great note. Now, I know people have an issue with the hospital coda. And honestly, had we gotten a fifth Scream, I think I would feel the same way. But because I don't think we're ever going to get a fifth Scream movie... I'm fine with the happy ending, the tacked on hospital ending. And, you know, people were like, oh, well, Gail should have died. And I'm like, you know what, though? If that is how the franchise would have ended, if Gail or Sydney would have died, like Dewey, fine. Like, you can kill Dewey. I don't really care. But if you had killed Gail or Sydney and that's how Scream 4 ended, I think I would have been so upset. And I might not hold 4 in such high regard. I mean, would it have been ballsy? Yes, absolutely. I think if you were going to kill either one of them, the time to do it would have been in the opening sequence. Yeah. Because then you can deal with it throughout the entire film as opposed to ending your film and potentially your franchise on right. such a fucking downer note. I like, think we still no, talk right. about Randy and he dies in the middle of the movie in two. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're a person who fucking doesn't like Scream 2 because they kill Randy, you're wrong. <laughs> like, give me another reason. And we may convince you otherwise at a time in the future. Yes. The distant future, but the future. <laughs> so okay so you send it over to blumhouse and you reboot it yeah reboot it. i mean on it okay i get it and blumhouse doesn't make always great movies but i feel like they at least have people that know the genre working on the film and maybe respect it yeah but i mean again like you know i know your feelings about halloween 2018 that had you know ryan turek who came from the world of horror journalism and he was kind of like I think he was producer, executive producer. I think so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he was there like telling Blum, hey, no, you can't do this because the fans are going to hate that. No, you can do this because the fans are like that, blah, blah, blah. Now, you know, that movie has a mixed reception, but at least they have that. They have people there that care and are conscious of the fandom without going too fanservice-y. Again, Mm -hmm. mileage may vary. (laughs) Don't fucking make another TV show. Okay. Unless you give it to Netflix and you make it like Slasher. (laughs) Well, this is what's intriguing to me, right? Like, we're, A, we're recording this in the past, but as of the time that we're recording this, we potentially have a Chucky TV series coming from Mm -hmm. John Mancini. Fingers fucking crossed for that. Yeah. We maybe have a Hellraiser TV series. Yeah. It's just interesting to me because it seems like a lot of these established properties are now living on not as films. They're really moving towards some kind of limited series or high-profile TV show. Even when this first Scream series was announced for MTV, I was, like, cautiously optimistic because here's the thing. I will never immediately shut down a horror TV show of, like, a popular franchise again, no matter what network it's on, because Hannibal. Oh, gosh, yeah. Hannibal? People thought it was going to be terrible. It's fucking Silence of the Lambs going to NBC. And Mm -hmm. lo and behold, we were given one of the best television shows ever created. Yeah. So I will never shut down the idea of it. I will always try to watch it, be an open mind. That's what I was with this. And that's what I'll be for all future versions of, you know, TV shows, adaptations of popular horror franchises. Because it may turn out like Hannibal. You never know. Yeah, we had this great discussion about our openness to revisiting established texts in new forms when we did a Patreon minisode on the idea of remakes and which ones Mm -hmm. we think are really good. People should go and listen to that. Cost you a couple bucks, but you know what? It's worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, it's worth it. (laughs) I mean, we're giving you this episode for free, motherfuckers. Yep. (laughs) I say that with, like, so much disdain. Like, hey, you just talked about how this show is insulting its fans. (laughs) No, people, if you like the content you're hearing, please go and support us on Patreon. Go support our Patreon. Yes, please do that. I think we were going to do that at the beginning of the episode, and we totally forgot. (laughs) But that's okay. Yeah, Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's just, like, we're living in such an interesting time. There's clearly an interest from people who have power and money to look for opportunities to bring these beloved franchises back. And it seems like we're seeing that increasingly, like, so excited for Black Christmas in Mm -hmm. December. There's all these opportunities to do it right, but Scream, the TV show, is really proving what happens when somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're doing or who doesn't take the time and the care to think about, this is the product you're giving to hardcore fans. Right. And I'm not saying you cater to us, but I'm saying that you need to treat... The intellectual property that you're trying to make money off of, you need to treat your audiences with respect. Yeah, Because absolutely. if you don't, this is the shit that we get. <sighs> yeah, it is. It is It is a big heaping pile of shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, 
on so, that note. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so much happy times. I know. Uh, yeah, th- I mean, again, this is a special bonus episode coming to you on a Wednesday night. We actually had an episode on Lake Placid drop today. So, yeah, y'all got two episodes in one day. Fucking go you guys. Yeah. And next week we'll have an episode on Britain's... Britain's. <laughs> like, sure. like the country owns the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, they kind of technically do, because right. they still oh, yeah. for public television. So. Yes, um, on the BBC TV series In the Flesh, the first three episodes, so do your homework and watch that next week. Also, let us know your thoughts on Scream Resurrection. Let us know where you think the Scream franchise will go next. Are we getting a Scream 5? Are we getting a Blumhouse reboot? What's happening next? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what would your ideal be? And how do you rank if you sadly took the time to watch this third season, slash Scream Resurrection, how would you rank the shows would you say the original show is better is one season better than the other let us know we're always interested i'm trying to remember what happened in season two besides kieran be the killer i think i think season one's the best i mean you know quote unquote best (laughs) yeah i can't recall brooke was all mopey in season two because someone died and she was upset about it i don't know wasn't it her teacher boyfriend oh maybe it was yeah maybe that was it god that was terrible too oh that was the worst yeah, very uncomfortable, even if I do like Bobby Campo, because I find him attractive. Well, it's a real Ezria from Pretty Little Liars situation, but it was like not, it was even worse than that. That means nothing to me. Oh, you know much Pretty Little Liars? I'm sorry, um, Lu- Lucy Hale has an affair, is sleeping with her teacher in Pretty Little Liars for like the whole, like for the whole show. Of course she is. This is a, a standard YA trope. Please listen to me talk about it on my other podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, do that. Listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I think we can cross out Scream Resurrection and burn it with fire and bury the ashes. Yes, let's resuscitate it only when we're creating our worst of 2019 lists. Yes. And with that, we'll also cross out this very special edition of Horror Quiz. This episode was brought to you by the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, delivering your weekly horror podcast fix. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit bloodydisgusting.com backslash podcast network.